Hi, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Robbins, and I'm a clinical psychologist and medium. On this podcast, we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I have Lee Harris on the show. In the year 2000, when he was 23 years old, Lee's life changed forever when he heard the voice of his spirit guides, or the Zs, as he has come to call them. For the very first time, on his way to work on the London Underground train. Harris documents the powerful spiritual wisdom that the Z's have provided him over the last nearly 20 years in his new book, Energy Speaks. Much of the material is derived from Lee's channeled sessions with the Z's and also from the live events he has done all over the world where the focus is on his work as an energy intuitive. Lee is also an intuitive medium, transformational leader, musician, and visual artist. In 2004, he began holding channeling sessions and readings in his home, and today he leads workshops throughout the world. A native of England, he is now based in California. So I'm excited to welcome Lee to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast today. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So... Let's start at the beginning uh, for my listeners and just explain what exactly channeling is. Yeah, so channeling in the traditional sense of channeling is when somebody is able to relay messages from either spirit or some people will also call um, mediums uh, channelers, so people who can receive messages from relatives. So it's the ability to hear and or relay messages from a source other than yourself, really. Um, but I argue that channeling is, is, is in and around us all the time. You know, creativity is channeling. Um, you know, intuitive parenting is channeling and like being in the moment and coming up with the goods. So, but the traditional, the traditional way of looking at channeling is, is how I described it first. And how do you distinguish, or does it even matter, what you're channeling? Because for you, you were channeling specific entities. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So for me, uh, channeling happened because I met my guides. But what I also, when I played around a lot in the first few years with channeling and what happened to me is something that I think is true for most people. If you can channel your guides, you can really, in a way, channel anything. So in my sessions as an intuitive, I've, I've given messages from other people's um, relatives who've passed over. And I'm not, that's not really my leaning. It's not really my speciality. But really, if you're, if you're able to receive, you know, the radio signals, then you can get many different channels. That's kind of how I look at it. Mm -hmm. um, but my main contract, it seems, has been with my own guides. And what happened to me was I was 23. I was on the London Underground, so the yeah. subway train in London. I can't um, even imagine what well, that must have been like, right? You know what I love about it is it, the idea that you're supposed to be in a spiritual temple or, you know, have meditated and only, you know, eaten, only had water in your system for right. 30 days, you know? Um, no, it was really, I'll tell you what was most interesting about it. It was really it felt really ordinary. Now, 
the experience of it was extraordinary because it had never happened to me before. But it, you know, I think prior to that, I'd heard that some people could channel and, and it wasn't something I was looking to do, but it was something I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty amazing. And then when it happened to me, I, it was no different to having a phone conversation with a friend. The only difference is you're not using a phone. You can just hear their voice. Um, speaking to you. So it was pretty profound and it really changed my life. And I think some people would dismiss your experience as that's just their mind. How did you differentiate? I mean, yeah. I, I did the same thing um, because I was taken to see a channeler about, uh, I think it was about a year before I started channeling. And I remember he was a lovely man and him and his wife were great people. And he did other work in the day and then once a week would do sessions for people. Um, and I was taken to see him and I remember he closed his eyes and he relayed all these messages to me. And it was, you know, the session was powerful for sure, but I did leave and think, why did he have to pretend he was channeling? Why couldn't he just, um, why couldn't he just have given me that information? So I, I totally understand the skepticism because I think if it, if it hasn't happened to you, um, you don't really know the difference and you're, you're, you're trusting someone else. But what I will say is channeling is really as useful as it is to you. You know, there are some people channeling is not going to affect, it's not going to be for them. And then there are other people who it's going to open their world, open their mind. They're going to recognize something of themselves in the channel and or I'm not uncommon have themselves open to their intuition um, because they're exposed to channeling so for me the difference was really easy to tell my own mind could never access the kind of information or answers that that, that my guides disease could give me and more than just the information they changed the way I felt so I could go from feeling full of doubt, full of fear, full of anxiety, to talking to them about something. And it wasn't just that what they gave me made sense or helped me see it from a completely different perspective. My whole body would open up and my body would suddenly relax and become open again. So because I was so familiar with all the negative self-talk that I had going on, suddenly to get this blindingly clear, loving, but firm voice that when I investigated what they said, it made so much sense and it expanded my worldview. I couldn't not notice the benefit to my life. Mm. But I also feel, you know, and I've said this many times on stage, if I were to die and someone were to come along and kind of review my life with me and go, oh, by the way, you know, that channeling thing you were doing, that was just the voice of God, or that was a part of you, but your, your way of experiencing it was your guides. I'm like, okay, I don't care. Right. Uh, for me, it's all about the information. And the truth is I can't access the kind of information the Z's can unless I speak to the Z's. I can be intuitive and I have a certain amount of intuitive access, but their level of perspective and, and clarity on things is a whole other world. And so, yeah, I just, it's, it's just not something that is, is quite in me in, in the same way, even though all my relationship with them all these years has greatly changed the way I see the world and feel about the world. And I have so many questions just from what you just said. Why do you call them the Z's? 
Well, because my audience called them disease. So um, I'll, I'll, I, when I first asked them, I said, do you have a name? Um, they said, well, actually, there are 88 of us. We're, we're, we're a big group. And we then extend further into source energy. So they said, think of us as a consciousness library because we can access universal information. It's not, don't get too fixed on the idea of us as 88 beings. They said, we're actually a, a library that can then connect to everything else. So in a way, they're channeling too. That was kind of how they were explaining it. But they said, we don't have names, but we know human beings need names and like names. So you can call me Zachary. I'm the lead spokesperson. And, and we like the, beings too, right? Like yeah, we exactly. want everything to, we want to understand it in the way that we understand things as a human. Exactly. Right? And, and so that name, I just, I ran with it. And then a few years later, I met a couple of the others and the names I was given was Zachariah and Zayadora. So for a little while in my work, there was a period of time where I would differentiate and would tell the workshop rooms that I was channeling for who was about to channel because I would get given that information. This is going to be Zachary. This is going to be Zachariah. And then in 2014, they decided to just become collective again. And they said, you know, it, it no longer serves to divide ourselves in this way. We're just going to be a collective voice. And at that point, people who followed my work had, had been referring to them as the Z's. So um, I didn't actually name them the people who listened did, which I kind of like. Yeah, I love that. And when you're channeling your guides, the Z's, mm. is that different or does that come through differently than channeling like a loved one? Does it, does it matter? Are the messages different? Are they the same? Yes, because there are two different states for me. There's, there's me as in energy intuitive mode, which is essentially when I open my seeing and my sensing. Um, and then there is me in channeler mode when I'm letting disease either speak through me for others or to me in a conversation that I'm having with them about life. And the way I can kind of best describe it is think of a ladder and the very top rung of the ladder is for me, the Z's. And I can go halfway up the ladder or a bit above halfway up the ladder and be an energy intuitive. And that's the space where I can relay other other people, other beings, people's loved ones. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a kind of halfway place. And I, I, I would caution against necessarily um, positioning disease as superior just because they're at the top of the ladder, because I find that we need both. You know, we're humans and we're souls. Mm -hmm. And all of us are doing our best to bring more soul energy into our everyday life. But hey, we all have the human stuff and we've got to pay the bills, what's going on on the planet, oh my God, what's going on with the government, you know, all these stuff, all these things affect and impact us. So the energy intuitive side of me is able to bridge um, this world and the Z's world, if you like. I, I love the way you talk about the human and the soul because I think, I know that the more I've gone down this path, the more... I've seen that I'm still, no matter how much I do believe in an immortal soul, sometimes being a human is really challenging. Oh, yeah. And, and that I, can be frustrating when you yeah. know, you know, the, the, the long-term vision is that this, this is just the body I'm in right now and that ultimately I'm an immortal soul. Yes. But yet the struggles of being human are really real and really important. 
Yeah, because they lead to the breakthroughs. And I think we're such a breakthrough-based society, like the way we've been conditioned is around reward, success, uh, you know, win the game. Um, and I, I, what, I, what I see happening in the world, certainly in terms of consciousness and our understanding of consciousness, is more and more of us on the planet are beginning to get okay with and learn more about the ups and downs of being a human being. And we're having those conversations and we're finding new tools and new ways of, of having a very integrated human soul life. And I think that's, that's really our job in this generation. Um, we're a bridge generation for consciousness. And so that's so where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. And I know people who've been listening have heard me say this before, but it, it, it does feel like there's just a huge divide right now. And there's, so many people who are becoming very conscious and very aware, and then some people who are fighting that. Well, the way the Zs talk about that is they say that the more light and consciousness that we have hitting the planet, the more the opposite has to kick up and become more visible too. Mm. So I know on a human level, it's heartbreaking to see some of the things that we're seeing going on in the world but the one thing the Zs talk about, and I do feel this is true and, and see this to be true myself, is they say that the difference now is whereas before some of the atrocities that we had going on on the planet were either very hidden and not globally known about, perhaps they were locally known about, but they weren't right. globally known about, they said now you're basically watching this reckoning period going on between the conscious people shouting at or trying to wake up the unconscious people, which doesn't always look like resolution or solution, but actually that's the first step towards resolution and solution. And sometimes that dissonance and that fight is what's needed to start to break apart the old stranglehold of dense energy. So it's complex. And this is also why they say you really must look after yourselves at times like this. And it can, that can be counterintuitive, but they say, even if you're a social activist, you need to make sure you are filling yourself up and looking after yourself while you are doing that work in order to continue to show up for that work because things are intense right now. And, and so self-care and self-love is all time, uh, an all-time all important. Hi. Yeah. yeah. And and what are some of the other messages? I know you talk about this a little in the book and I want to get to talking about the book a little bit as well, but what what do the messages look like? You just sort of touched on it or or sound like I should say. You know, it sounds like they're more profound, really. Like they're they're very profound almost soul communication. Yeah. And I, I think when, you know, as you've, as you've spent time with the book, um, you know, probably this is, you can vouch for, I guess, but one of the reasons with the book that because we had mm, over 10 years of, of material to pull from, I, I knew I wanted to put out a book that was really dominantly channeled first. I was writing another one. It wasn't quite coming together. And I suddenly thought, hang on a second, I need to give the Z's a book before I do my own book. And so we were able to pull from the most profound conversations in a way to create a kind of greatest hits of what they really talk about as our human path of living, loving, and awakening. 
And what is it to be a human who is living, who is loving, and who is awakening at this time? So that's why we have, you know, personal power, um, you know, abundance, self-love, um, the essence of relationships, sex and sexual energy. We were able to kind of go, okay, what are the big touchstones of our daily life? And what is the light that they shine on that for us so that we can have a better understanding but also a freer experience. And um, so there is a prof- there's a very profound nature to their messages, but I also like that the exercises come from them too. And we added a few exercises to the book too so that people can really ground into what it is that they're experiencing when they're reading or in the case of the audio book, which will come out in August, um, listening. I hope you're reading that because I oh, love your yeah. voice. No, the re- thank you. The reason okay. it's taken so long is um, is basically I, I read the whole thing and then I, I gave it to my music producer, um, who, who I've worked with for many years, Davor Bozic, in Slovenia, and he has been adding tone and sound to the book. Oh, no. So um, I didn't want to just do a standard audio book. Given it's channeled and given their exercises, we wanted to make, make sure it's a real experience. So that's why it, it, we couldn't quite get it ready for when the book came out. So what, you, you talk about nature a lot in the book. What is the importance, or what do the Zs say is the importance about being in nature? They talk about nature resets us and heals us very fast. And they say we go back into, because nature is alive and it's a sensory world. And while there are several benefits to the internet and you know they will talk about this they'll say the internet has connected you all it it operates as a form of telepathy in a way Mm. because it's bringing that level of interconnectivity and in a way hive mind onto the planet now sure there are issues with the internet there are issues with um internet addiction or overuse um, but they say that nature is where our senses get to reset themselves because we go back into this great sentient being that we have and we will be able to recenter very quickly and i used to live in england i moved to the states in 2012 and i've always lived in big nature areas um, in the states and that was one of the reasons i wanted to be here but even when i lived in london or brighton and i could only get to a small park you know just a very small city park i would notice a difference immediately if i just took myself to a park for 10 15 minutes um, and sat there, you know, you start to feel the energy of the trees and the plants and the ground. And it, it's it's different to being in a building. Yeah, my son, we were away for the weekend and he said, he's five. And he said to me, mommy, can we just walk barefoot? And we were walking on a wooden path onto a gravel road. And I was like, sure, let's walk barefoot. And the change that I felt in myself, even though it was subtle, just feeling the ground and feeling the energy of the ground was so powerful. And I was thinking, you know what, I'm just going to do, I have no need to be in shoes while while I'm here. I'm just going to walk barefoot and feel, feel the earth beneath my feet and see what that's like. And it's, it is really healing and it just feels like it just comes all the way through you totally yeah i I so agree it's um it's 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 funny and this is one of the things that i love about any kind of spiritual 
or soul help knowledge, you know, whether it's come through the Z's or other sources, the Z's will say, everything just takes minutes. And it's not to take away from a deep dive. I mean, I'm all for going away and immersing yourself in a retreat for a while. Or, you know, those, those things are really important, but they but say- not everybody has the time. No, not that, everybody right? has the time, the, the energy, the money. Um, but they say, you know, you just, you, you'd be amazed how you can change your energy within minutes if you put yourself in the right circumstance. And I think that we can hear that kind of stuff and, you know, it can piss us off because it's like, oh God, I don't have the time. Or right? if you knew how difficult my life was, and I get it, I've been in those places. But I also recognize the truth of it. And I think it's not necessarily that there is a method that will work for you. The question is, what methods work right. for me? And it's so personal. And our job is to figure that out and to go, oh, for me, it's listening to classical music for five minutes on my headphones. Oh, for me, it's walking around the block mm. and then practicing those things and using them whenever you notice you're a bit frazzled. And I think to notice that things might be more available to us than we think they, than we initially think that they are. You know, One, yeah. Absolutely. And like, oh, I don't have access to that or I can't get to a beach or a water, a, a space where there's water, but you could get to a grassy patch somewhere. Probably. Amy, that's such a good point. And I'm glad you bring it up because I think we all have our moments um, or some people live in this kind of state for a long time where they're angry or upset mm -hmm. or, you know, the, the, the victim side of us is is, is screaming at us louder and longer than the hero or the heroine side of us that can, right. that can figure things out. And one thing the Z's say is they say, ask for help, ask the universe for help. If you don't know what to do, if you feel so stuck, if you can't see a way out of things, just keep asking every day, say, universe, help me, guide me and let us in. They say, let universal energy in because if we don't give permission for it, then they don't necessarily know to help us. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that work for so many people. It's worked for me. So if you don't quite know how to figure it out, just be open to help and affirm that you're looking for help and that you're open to help. That's a great, great point and a great message. And I, you know, when I talk to people about loved ones too, it's the same thing. Like ask them, they want, they want to help. You need to let them know that they want to help. Otherwise, and when I first entered sort of my soiree into this whole thing and someone said to me, make sure you continue the conversation. You have to keep the energy moving in both directions. It's not just a one-way conversation. And you're absolutely right. Totally. That makes so much sense to me. So you talk about money and abundance as a big topic in this book. And you say karma and abundance go hand in hand. Can you explain what that means? Because I think people sometimes have sort of a, a reaction to the notion of karma or the way that they think about or use karma as like a punishment or... Um, yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because, you know, the Z's, because that chapter is from them and they have talked quite a bit about karma and they have said that um, there are certain karmic lessons that we go through, but it's it, it, from their perspective, they said, we do not see these as punishments. Uh, some some religions I know can speak about your karma as a punishment and you were bad, so now you're having to pay for things. 
the Zs don't see it in that way and they don't talk about it in that way. They say that there are certain lessons that we decide that we want to learn in our lives and those lessons show up and they're things that we go through until we've kind of essentially cleared those lessons. So to become an awake soul, to become a conscious soul, you tend to have moved out of your, if you like, first levels of karma. The kind of levels that some humans who don't ever wake up in life don't ever get through. So then they say your free will kicks in even more and you get to be a conscious creator in a different way. But just jumping back to the karmic piece, one of the things I like about the topic of abundance, and I just just um, last month actually released a, a course called Abundance Upshift, mm. which was, we had, uh, you know, a few, I think it was like 1,300 people went through it. And that was fantastic because it really got, gave me um, insight into what people were struggling with. And really the ethos of the course for me was we have some very strange ideas on this planet about what abundance is and what it isn't. And, you know, we all tend to hear, oh, be a millionaire or a billionaire and have a jet set lifestyle. And yet for me, I've worked with some of the richest people and I've worked with some of the most successful people and I've worked with people who are not in those stratospheres and happiness was not dictated by the circumstances. So the first thing really about abundance and karma was the Zs would say, you, you might choose certain abundance limitations in order to have the lessons that you want. So if you're constantly fighting your current abundance level and thinking it's the problem, you're missing the point. They say, focus on creating ease in your life. Imagine if your abundance circumstances never changed. Imagine they were never going to change. Well, what do you need to do today to be happier in the circumstance you're in? If you start working from the inside out, you'll create a massive ripple effect in your life. So there's the chapter on abundance. There's a chapter called the art of receiving. And there's a chapter called loving money because we don't tend to love money. We tend to fear money. We tend to objectify money. We tend to have all kinds of emotions around it. So, um, yeah, it's a massive topic, but one of the things I've loved seeing as people have gone through the course is when you really figure out what your own personal values are, because one person's abundance is another person's prison. Somebody might want a mansion to another person that would be hell because they don't want to have to employ all the people to run the mansion. So you've just got to know what are your values? What are you here for? And also, can you recognize the abundance that you already have in your life that's right under your nose that you might be missing because you haven't yet got present to it. Mm -hmm. So they really speak about it, not so much as in manifesting in the outside world, but checking what's going on in your inside world to see why you might be thinking you need to manifest that thing before you press the button on, yes, I want to manifest this, because that is an incredibly powerful process that really it's a game changer around abundance and it, well, and it I, changed my life. I think to what you're talking about, the Z's are saying, maybe I've been channeling the Z's in my therapy. Oh, I'm sure. Hey, we're, um, all, we're, all, we're all connected. So, you know, all of us are connected to everything. So, I mean, I always talk with people about like, let's get in touch with your internal, you know, feelings about who you are, your internal state, not what, not the, external um, definitions, the job you hold, the role you play, you know, the more egoic 
things, mm. but what are the, what is the essence, the soul, the internal piece of mm-hmm. what makes you, you, and that's really hard for people. Yeah, totally. It really is. So what is the notion of radical expression? Cause that's another topic that you bring up. Our words can change our life. The words we choose to say or the words we choose to censor, they have an enormous impact on what happens in our day. So, for example... So, it's um, okay that I'm not a great censor? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> definitely. If you've, you've learned, if, and I'm sure you have by now, if you've learned how to, um, how to deal with the reactions and, you know, you know who your friends are, then you're all good. But, it, yeah, if you, I think sometimes people who aren't great censors have to go through that baptism of fire when they realize how other people can react to them. And it right. can be, oh, you know, do, do you lose your confidence? Do you lose your nerve? But, no, they, the radical expression is finding a way and a place in yourself that you are willing to tell the truth more than you ever have doesn't mean every single difficult conversation that you know you should have, you're going to be able to manage today. But it's celebrating the small victories as you go. And the more you practice radical expression as a habit, the more your life will change and the more your life will align to who you are here to be and what you need to be doing and with the people that you need to be with. Because too often, um, even if you're not really a big people pleaser, there is a lot of societal conditioning around, you know, staying safe within the group. And the truth is to take big strides, to be a leader, um, there's always going to be a little bit of discomfort because you're disrupting the pattern for everybody. So if I have someone come into my friends group and, you know, we've all got this kind of thing down, all of a sudden they tell a really big truth that throws us all, you know, you could go, oh my God, they've disrupted the energy of the group. That's awful. Or you could go, oh, wow they've disrupted the energy of the group. Let's see what happens now. Let's see where the energy goes now. Let's see where the new strength appears, the new love appears. So radical expression and everything in that chapter is really designed to walk you through the process of what if I told the truth everywhere I go as much as I can, how is that going to change my life? Because the Z's say all the time that we have we really have no idea the power of our words to affect our reality. And that's what that chapter is really a reminder of. We have to wrap up in just a moment, but what is the, what would you say has been the most powerful, if you can even pick one, message that you have channeled? Well, I can only speak personally because, you know, it's a little bit like, um, as a, I'm also a musician. It's how I started out. And I learned very early on that, you know, my favorite song, favorite song on an album or the song that I'm a little bit like, mm, we didn't quite nail that one is someone else's favorite. So I can only speak personally, mm-hmm. but for me, I would have to say it was you are love, which is the final chapter of the book. And it's, um, it's an interesting chapter because it's a little bit like a poem. It's a very long poem rather than a, a chapter of information. But it really is saying you are everything, but mostly you are love. And your biggest job here on earth is to love yourself and to learn to love yourself. And that will not always be easy. Sometimes that will be very, very challenging. But if you commit to it, and continue to find more ways to love yourself, the rewards, both for you personally, 
and in the way that you will show up in the world for other people. I think I don't know anybody who has really got self-love down. I mean, I know a lot of people who are really good at it and they're probably really good at it 99% of the time. Um, and I think I'm, I'm better at it than I've ever been, but I still get stumped by those learning moments that we all get stumped by. And I have to remember at those times, ah, this is another opportunity for me to learn to love myself unconditionally. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's why that chapter for me is so profound. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And if people, your, your new book, it's just out recently. It's called Energy Speaks. And Amazon, probably, right? Yeah, actually, yeah. So um, Amazon, I think if you're in the US, Barnes and Noble stock it. And, and, and certain bookstores will be carrying it. And, and other, I mean, all bookstores can order it if you prefer to um, go through a bookstore, wherever you are in the world. Um, but the one place you may want to go is energyspeaksbook.com. Okay. Energyspeaksbook.com, because there we have all the links to all the different places you can get it. But we also have a free one hour, 10 minute video interview with Regina Meredith that we did live the day the book came out. And she also interviewed disease. Um, so that's free and that's there. And it's all about the book. Regina wrote the forward. Regina is a journalist and she's on Gaia TV. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, energyspeaksbook.com is probably the best place to find it. And it came out at the end of March. And if people want to find you, do they find you at the same place? Yeah, leeharrisenergy.com is okay. my website. Um, okay. But if you go to energyspeaksbook.com, you'll be able to connect with me there too. Great. And all of this will also be in my show notes as well. So people can just click on that and it will all their, that information will be there for them. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing what you do, Amy. I know it takes a lot of energy and effort to create shows like this and put them out into the world. So thank you for having me and thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being here. And it's completely, this was really insightful for, I mean, I had read the book and sometimes I'm so immersed in this stuff that it's, you know, it, it, I, I feel like I'm always learning, but I feel like today there was a lot of takeaways for me as well. So thank mm. you for that. Oh, fantastic. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.